Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. All right, now, should we start? Let's do it. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, we're kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes, I'm excited for this I'm one. super excited for it, too. Yeah. So the whole month, we're going to do Latino Hispanic Saints. because right. Mostly because when we looked at the list, we couldn't only decide for one episode. We wanted yeah, to do a it's lot. A, it's a whole month, so yeah. let's celebrate all month. I'm excited. <laughs> should we talk about snacks? Let's do that. Okay. My snack was on theme for... It was. It yeah. was definitely on point, and I did not just go in for one bite. I went for several bites because it was super good. Yeah, so I gave Lena a English cucumber. They're like the skinny ones, yeah. and those are more crunchy, and then I put some lime on it and then said to, some tahini, which I, you I knew you liked, but this was like the savory option. I did, yeah. So you introduced me to tahini, and we did it on apples, which mm-hmm. was wonderful, and then you did it on the cucumbers, which I didn't know that the English cucumber was extra crunchy but yeah that makes are. a difference mm-hmm. the crunch makes a difference and just the like like the acidity of it mm-hmm. and then the tahini it was wonderful it's very refreshing it is like I feel like if jumping in a pool <laughs> on a hot day could be a food it's that oh interesting do you know what I mean I it just I did not have that imagery when I was refreshing. eating it that's but how I, it makes me feel I felt pretty happy when I was eating it it's one of my favorite snacks you know I don't eat it enough Every time I eat it, I'm like, why don't I eat this every day? <laughs> why isn't it just a staple? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It could replace chips for me, I think. I think I'm going to, I need to do it more. Yeah. Because of the crunch. Yeah. The crunch. The salty. Yeah. All of it. It's got all of it. Great snack. Yeah. I loved it. So thank you. Yeah. I feel like now I'm like, I understand what tahini is, like what its mm-hmm. possibilities are. There's lots of possibilities. Yeah. So I'm excited to just get in that world. Do you know some people sell like, like a fruit cup? But like all the fruits, like apple, watermelon. Like a fruit salad? Kind of like a fruit salad and cucumbers though. Oh. And it's like in a cup. So uh-huh. you like douse it with the lemon and you douse it with tahini. And you can put other like hot sauce in it too. Uh-huh. And then you eat it and then you drink the liquid at the end. My mouth is watering right now. So that is like all the, it's like the savory and it's the just sweet. got everything. Yeah. Yeah. That okay. I, Luis loves Where do you that. Get it's that? not. Like little fruit stands, like, like have you ever seen corn in a cup? Like yes, the locust look stand. Uh-huh, yeah, it'll be like around that. Ooh, like that's sometimes they have both of them oh. there because it's the same. Take know, me spice to those places. Lemon. I will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To me, I really like one or the other. Like yeah. I like the sweet or the savory, but yeah. Luis loves just the whole the, the whole mix. mix. Yeah, yeah. I could be so. down with that. Yeah. Okay, my snack for you was not on theme with my saint, but today is. The feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Mother um, or the Blessed Virgin Mary. So basically, like her birthday. Yeah. So I wanted to get you cupcakes, and I had asked a friend of mine, "What flavor do you think Mother Mary would like?" Mm. <laughs> and she said red velvet, which I thought velvet, you know, is fitting for a queen. Oh, she's the queen of heaven. Yeah. Um, so I got you mini red velvet cupcakes. Yeah, which, they were great. Super light, very just. You know what? The issue is, is that they were very light and the, the frosting, cake the yeah. cake was light. The frosting was also light and overpowering. So there It was overpowering? was not. Oh, so okay. the problem is that they're mini and not overpowering. So like you could easily <laughs> just, just like pound those. those back. I mean, I, yeah, I got a dozen mini 
Yeah, like red I was gonna, what's the situation? Am I keeping those? <laughs> Are you taking some? Because yeah, when I give a dessert, I like to give the full dessert. Like, I don't want to bring back some of the okay, dessert. I like to just give it to you On fully. the one hand, I'm like happy, but on the other hand, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to eat this whole box. Didn't, I know, I, you know what I just realized is your blessing for last time was like, I've kicked my sugar addiction. Oh, here burden I come in. for this time. I'm back. <laughs> okay. It's happening again. Okay. All right, because I, I started know, to feel oh, real guilty. Do you know how that. it happened? <laughs> I went, we don't have a Trader Joe's super close by. So yeah. when I'm in the part of town with a Trader Joe's, I go and stock, stock up. up. Yeah. So I got, you know, and I was like, I have it under control. I can handle this. I could not. <laughs> I ate so much sugar in one day. I was like sick to my stomach all night. No, and but now does, I'm just does that deter you when you feel that sickness? Is it like, oh, like I shouldn't have done it? Or I would say like, I'm not like, I'm still not like craving it as hard yeah. as I was not craving Dr. Pepper anymore. Just like That's that, it, that yeah. break from Dr. Pepper. The habit of just getting Yeah, that, I don't yeah. need it. Right. And I've had some since then. And I'm like, why was I addicted to this? I like don't even need this anymore. But I'm st- having dessert again every night, which yeah. I don't feel like I need in this season of life. But <laughs> also I do. So okay, it's back. Well, not to enable any addictions in any way. I have but- gummy bears in my purse <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So it's Thank already you for happening. That. Thanks for that confession. Yeah. Um, I just, this again, I'm going to go back to just one of the reasons I love the Catholic faith is that we have periods of fasting, but we also have these periods of feast. Love it. Yeah. And so it's a, you know, it's like a delicate balance of both. And to be able to celebrate like um, the Blessed Mother's birthday and just her immaculate conception, just all of it is just, um, just a beautiful part of like the celebratory nature of our faith. And, yeah. Um, so like we had like a little, we were with friends this morning. Um, they're great friends of ours. And we did like a little birthday cake and the kids yeah. like decorated happy birthday, Mary on there. So cute. Um, so it was just nice. It's just like these little ways to celebrate our faith and um, recognize that the, like the joy. Yeah. In faith. So that's really why I brought the snack, but sorry. Thank that. you. <laughs> no, it'll be well. Eaten. And let's just talk about red velvet for a second. That, I mean, it's probably, like, common knowledge at this point that red velvet is... just chocolate, right? It's chocolate. If you like chocolate and red food dye, you'll like red red velvet. velvet. But it's the combination of um, chocolate cake with cream cheese frosting. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the signature red velvet. Um, So, you know, people are like, oh, my favorite cake is red velvet cake. And I'm like, no, you just just like chocolate cake. (laughs) But um, I will say, I make chocolate cupcakes... With a cream cheese frosting, but I add like a little bit of coconut extract. Oh. And that chocolate and coconut, it's almost like red velvet with like a little coconut mm-hmm. in it. I have to say that that's Good. my favorite. Yeah. I need to try that. Yeah, we should we should do that yeah. as a snack. But today I just had to go to Market Street. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. And mini cupcakes, which I don't know if anyone has like a hard stance on mini cupcakes. Cause <laughs> like Kevin on The Office? Is that <laughs> He's like, honestly, where does it end with you people? <laughs> First you take a cake and then it's a... Cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> Mini cupcake. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. So, well, happy birthday, Mary. Happy birthday, Mary. <laughs> Let's jump in. Yeah. Okay. So we decided I would go first already. Yeah. And I want to say, I have a lot of things to say, actually, which is why I we started wait. a podcast. But, um, first, I want to say that my saint was like what I envisioned when this concept came to be because he's like not one saint that a lot of people know I didn't know anything about him yeah but it really feels like I've uncovered like a hidden gem oh 
Because I told you he was a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. You said he was like niche, right? Like, We're super niche. Yeah. Okay. So my saint is uh, Father Trebio Romo. Never. No. Never, never heard of him, but no one I'm knows. super excited to meet Some my new friend. Some people know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So he is from the Cristero War era, okay. which we went into this in more detail than I'm going to in our Blessed episode because yes. Father Pro was also a martyr from this era. Yeah. Father Romo is the saint for migrants. I actually heard of him because we are currently on an immigration journey and there have been some really scary moments, Mm. like hard moments. And I think in one point in my desperation, I was looking for a novena for people struggling with immigration issues. Yeah. And I quickly read a blurb about him and was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then kept going because he wasn't who I felt like we needed in that instance. Right. But I kept him in the back of my head and now I have a new friend. Oh, awesome. Um, Okay, so he was born in April in 1900 to a poor family of farmers. Juana and Patricio were his parents. And he was born to a very small town called Santa Ana de Guadalupe, which is in the state of Jalisco. Mm-hmm. And um, he had two siblings, a sister, Maria, and a younger brother, Roman, and he would also become a priest. And this will come back later. He, um, the, the family was notably very light-skinned, and they had blue eyes. Oh, wow. Which is pretty common in, um, like, my husband has hazel eyes and his sister has green eyes. Yeah. I so wanted our babies to get the colored (laughs) eyes gene, but they didn't. Ben has my eyes, so. And they're beautiful. I guess they're all right. They're just not. (laughs) Sorry, Ben. Beautifully colored. Just brown. Anyway. um, (laughs) I love colored eyes. It's probably. I I love brown eyes. I'm just going to put that out there for all the brown eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Trivia stood out from other children early on, just from like his intelligence and his, he was very contemplative. Um, and at age 13, he entered the seminary and then he got special permission from the Vatican to be ordained a priest younger than normal. So, um, he became a priest at the age of 23. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So in 1923, he celebrates his first his first mass. Mm. And uh, like I said, he was a very deep thinker and a writer. And this is kind of one interesting thing that will come back later. Um, One thing he wrote was a one act play called Let's Go North. Oh, cool. And so it actually parodied the life of Mexicans who left their small towns to find work in the States. So at the time, this was becoming more popular and priests especially um, really tried to dissuade their flocks from doing that. They kind of mm-hmm. felt like they were losing their best and brightest yeah. to another country. Right. And that um, they felt like the Mexican culture was being watered down. Yeah. The Catholic faith was being watered down because there was more Protestants in Mexico. He like <laughs> has a line about that in his play. Yeah. And um, just the family unit. That the families were being separated yeah. and that they really, so um, Father Romo really advocated for like, Let's like stay here and address the problem. Let's like transform our communities from within. Let's yeah. like work for uh, change and stuff like here instead yeah. of just like leaving to go just, find, you know, leaving and running away from the problems. Right. So um, that was one thing that he wrote. And so that will kind of come back later, that theme. So he, um, interestingly enough, came to like his full priesthood right at the time when the Cristero War started. Yeah. So again, we, I feel like we talked about this more in our blessed episode, but the Cristero war was a period in the mid 1900s when the new regime led by president Plutarco Elias Caius, um, wanted to kind of mimic what they'd done in Russia and in France. 
as far as bring about a revolution mm-hmm. and to make things more secular, kind of similar to like a communism regime. I don't yeah. think they ever went as far as straight communism, but they wanted to really further separate a church and state and to, um, and to outlaw basically practice of faith or public religion. Okay. Um, so they did enact these laws kind of like they kind of, so the first thing was they kind of just limited the amount of priests that were allowed to be in the country. Mm-hmm. So funnily enough, a lot of the priests who tried to get people to stay in Mexico were then fleeing the country. Oh. So, and after they, um, put a limit on how many priests there could just be, they just straight up started outlawing any kind of practice of public religion. Mm-hmm. And so Father Roma was really in love with um, the Eucharist as the center of Christian life, but also he loved to do catechesis, especially to the poor. Oh, that's beautiful. So these are all things that he kept doing in secret while this, this, faith, this faith was being outlawed, basically. Yeah. So eventually things turn physical and violent. They, the people start a full-blown uprising against the Caius regime. Mm-hmm. And so this is often called the Cristera War. Very lightly skimming the surface of this one. <laughs> so by 1927, all priests were prohibited from celebrating any kind of public mass. So most clergy did not take part in the violence. There are some priests who did take up arms. Father Tripio didn't. And like I said, he his way of, what's the word, resistance mm-hmm. was to just keep being a priest but in secret. Okay. Also, fun fact, I knew this, but I forgot, refound it. The Knights of Columbus were very instrumental from America in this war. Oh, really? They donated, like, funds to the Cristero War effort. Okay. And uh, they just provided a lot of help. And they would harbor people who were fleeing. Yeah. Another reverse fun fact, the KKK (laughs) donated money to the Caius regime in order to squash the rebellion. Can you believe? I can. You're right. Unfortunately, I can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but thank you, Knights of Columbus. Yeah. And then, then I went down a rabbit hole of just like the really historical parts of like how the Mexican ambassador to America and like helped like the peace talks, which I just found very interesting because I'm a huge <laughs> nerd, but I won't talk about all that. I love that about you. <laughs> so that's how I found that because I got a little bit into like the more historical sides of just like the warts. Yeah, each side. Yeah. So interesting. Okay, so like I said, he's saying mass under the radar. He's making sick calls, giving mm-hmm. last rites, hearing confessions, still teaching catechism to the children, but also adults. But he really had a heart for kids. So eventually, he is, his name is on a list. The Kai's regime is hunting him down. Oh. He's hiding in an old factory in a town called Aguas Calientes. Okay. And he was celebrating masses there and everything like that. So on February 25th, he went to bed. And um, was trying to sleep like a normal person. And they ended up tracking him down to the factory oh. he was hiding in. Oh, and so hero. I know. So this is sad. They said, one shoulder said, I found the priest. Let's kill him. And he said, here I am, but you don't have to kill me. And they shot him anyway. Oh. So usually we end our stories with life and death, right? Right. But this is really cool. His story doesn't end with his death. What? It doesn't. It's crazy. So he was canonized. Um, with the other martyrs from the Cristera War in the in the early 2000s by JP2. Yeah. But in the 80s, reports began to surface of a young man in a red pickup truck who would bring food and water to help illegal immigrants stranded in the deserts, who would get lost in the deserts. Um, now, they always described him the same way. He was either a young priest or a young cowboy 
Now, one of his covers that he would use to travel around was like a cowboy, That's like a so ranch cool hand. That a priest had a cover like that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but they would always say he was really light skinned, but had blue eyes, but right. clearly spoke Spanish. So there are these reports that start coming in that this priest or cowboy with blue eyes appeared just in time to rescue people from drowning in the river. Other times it was like the people were invisible to the border patrol agents tracking them. Other times he stepped what? in. <laughs> yeah. Other That kind of reminded me of Lord of the Rings, you know, when they put on the elf cloaks and they're invisible. One time it said that he protected someone from a rattlesnake. Oftentimes when he would find these people struggling, he would help them and then tell them where they could find work. Oh, he sounds like a superhero. He kind of is. So when the immigrants would say, what's your name? He would say, my name is Toribio Romo. And sometimes they would say where can I find you if I ever go back? Like to say thank you, he would say, you can find me in the church in Santa Ana de Guadalupe. Oh, so there's multiple accounts of Multiple this. accounts, same thing. What's and your name? name? Where are you from? Blue eyes, light skinned. Oh my goodness. So does the church recognize those? The church has neither confirmed nor denied. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so whenever the people go to the church where he said they can find him, his picture is there next to his casket and his relics. Mm. So they have the shirt that he was shot in and like things like that. That's fascinating. And obviously they're always very surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a firsthand account. This is one of the first guys who like wrote the story down. His name is Jesus Buendia. And he told this to a reporter in a Mexico city magazine. So it's like this is starting to be widely publicized. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what he said. He hired a smuggler in Mexicali to help him cross the border. So this is a direct quote from this guy, um, Jesus Mundia. He says, as soon as they crossed the line at Border Patrol, a van spotted them. And to avoid arrest, Jesus escaped into the desert. After walking for several days in desolate trails, more dead than alive from heat stroke and thirst, he saw a truck approach. A young, thin man with light skin and blue eyes who spoke perfect Spanish got off the truck offered him water and food, and showed him a place where farm workers were needed. The Good Mm -hmm. Samaritan told Buendia to look him up once he had a job and money. He was sent to the church in Santa Ana de Guadalupe. I almost had a heart attack when I saw the photograph of my friend hanging over the altar, Buendia recalled. Since then, I prayed to him every time I set off for for the United States in search of work. Mm, That's incredible. So, and like I said, stories like that started coming from all types of people. Yeah. From all different parts of the desert, too. Right. So now his tiny town of Santa Ana de Guadalupe is attracts almost 300,000 tourists a year right. to come and p- pay pilgrimage to this saint. A lot of them are seeking his aid before setting off to make the desert journey. Yeah. And so a lot of them come and leave behind notes or like candles or photographs or drawings of their loved ones who have made it oh. or just giving their testimony of Father Romo's intervention. Yeah. I love that he was just a provider of like water and yeah. like a place to work. Yeah. Just, he sends them where they can find like what they came for. Yeah. But like helps them get out of the desert too. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> there's so much symbolism yeah. in that. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, just, so yeah. a lot of this describing the town is from an article on the Texas, um, Texas Monthly of mm-hmm. someone who's from Santa Ana de Guadalupe. Yeah. So distantly she's related to Father Romo. Okay. So she's kind of describing what the church is like. So she said in her article, one testimonial poster shows a photograph of an 18-year-old woman with a message from her parents thanking Father Romo, quote, for having granted us the miracle of finding the daughter 
finding the body of our daughter, Mirabelle, who died in the desert of the United States. Mm. So that she had gotten lost and they prayed that they could at least find her. Find her. Yeah. Oh, parents. Peace of mind. Mm -hmm. So she also said there were a lot of photographs of Mexican immigrants who had joined the U.S. military who are being deployed to serve in Iraq and Afghanistan when we were there um, asking for his protection. Yeah. And so one thing that I love about his story is that he ultimately in his life was unsuccessful in keeping his parishioners from leaving the small town, Mm -hmm. especially during the Cristera war, that time period, people were just fleeing the the country altogether. But then in the 1900s is when it became really popular to just go ahead and leave and look for work in the U S. So because he, he, so what he wanted, he never really did in his life, Mm -hmm. but now in his death, immigration from his hometown has almost stopped. It used to be, a small ranching village, and there were like less than 400 people who lived there still. And the people who did were usually the really elderly, and they were living off of what their family in the U.S. would send back. Yeah. But now, the people who live there, the people who grew up there, who have family there, are coming back. Because since this canonization and since these stories yeah. have started. It's popularity. Now, yeah, because of this popularity, like I said, there's thousands of tourists who come uh-huh. each year. And now the town has an economy, basically. So people migrated to his town. Yeah, like people who had left came back. Yeah. So the priest there, his name is Father Gonzalez. He's actually done a lot for the community. He was quoted in the article I read saying he's, it's not about like to capitalize on the popularity, but rather just to serve the tourists who come. So evangelize. Yes. So before I, I forgot the number. I think before like there, the, the chapel where his body was in was like, laughably small Mm. maybe 100 people fit in there but now they're building like a bigger chapel where more people can come but also now like there's restaurants and places for pilgrims to stay and like places to work yeah yeah exactly so people coming have made these jobs for these people and now the economy and the village has grown like a lot okay I just I feel like it just comes so full circle because he was like trying to provide for people in the desert and provide a place for them to work and it ended up being like his hometown that became this place instead of them fleeing like it was like he brought them back home yeah so that's kind of the full circle piece actually is that father gonzalez said a story that was dear to him was that a woman who he had met in the parish Mm -hmm. was praying for her two sons Mm -hmm. she had tried to convince them not to make the trip over the border but they were dead set on going together right and so she was there to pray for them and ask father romo's intercession and so she said a couple days Father Gonzalez said a couple days later, she came back and tearfully like explained to Father Gonzalez that she believes her sons met Father Romo in the desert. Her sons told her that a man, you know, a light skinned man encountered them right before they were going to cross the river. And he told them that they weren't going to make it over and that they should go home because their parents were worried about them. And they turned around and didn't make the trip. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so first of all, when I found his name, obviously like the immigration journey me and my husband are on is very different. So that's why I didn't really dive into him then. Right. But I had read like there is a saint that appears to people in the desert and I was like, well, okay, I want to know more about that. So that's why I wanted to talk about him now. I mean, can I add on something to this? Because there's so much desert imagery here and I feel like the desert and just what Jesus going into the desert being, you know, the time of temptation and all Mm -hmm. of that, um, like the symbolism of the desert in Mm -hmm. the Bible of like, and that father Romo, Romo Mm -hmm. 
is like this helper yeah. for when you're in the desert. So if when you're in that spiritual desert and feeling alone or feeling tempted or feeling like just um, kind of at this low spiritually, that that could also maybe be a saint that you could ask yeah. for intercession to like bring you back home. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I love like, that. Um, just even just zooming out of what he could do because like truthfully we're all migrants from you know our home mm-hmm. is in heaven really exactly but, you know, so yeah and that's kind of what I wanted to end on and why like a part of me was scared because I feel like illegal immigration is such like you said a polarizing thing I was like am I really going to get on a podcast and talk all about someone whose main thing is like literally helping illegal immigrants like cross the border but then I was like yes of course I will because <laughs> What, like, what else are saints for but to show us that death does not have the final word? Right. Right? Like, we worship Jesus because he proved to us on the cross that, like, death is not the end of our of our journey. So I was just like, of course there is someone looking out for literally the poorest and the most vulnerable people. Yeah. Who else is more poor and more vulnerable than a poor person like literally dying in the desert. Mm-hmm. Like who else would need someone to look out for them in a really radical way? Right. And I think um, just the role he played of just in some sense, it was like he was being Jesus to those people. Yeah, um, for sure. Providing them the help they needed. What And it wasn't like, um, I don't know if it was like a very political view because sometimes he was telling them to come back and sometimes yeah. he was telling them to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really just relying on God's will there and um, just being a face for the needy, which I think is just so much about who Jesus is. Yeah. And that's, I was going to say it, if anything, this, the story of the miracles in the desert just like reinforces everything we hear from the gospel, which is like care for the poor and the needy, which yeah. is what Jesus was about. Right. And also that all works in mercy. Yeah. That we're not forsaken. Yeah. And so I think that's like why I started with like, this is why I started this podcast to like tell a story that no one's heard about before. Yeah. I mean, I say no one, but I mean, I don't, this is probably very prideful, but I feel like when I don't know a saint, it's very <laughs> a deep cut saint. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of saints I don't know about. Um, no, I know but, there are like, I know there are so many I don't know like this one, but like, I'm just glad I learned about him. Me I'm, too. I find like he's so beautiful and I see him beyond like, yes, he did work for um, migrants, but I just see him as like a universal saint for all of us too. Yes. In that sense. Of, You're right. Um, of the desert. But I think he especially can, has shown his work through some of those beautiful works that he's um, helped. And maybe that brings some compassion to yeah. that situation and just... Um, I don't know. A lot of people, uh, I've seen a lot of depictions of the Holy Family as mm-hmm. immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, looking for a shelter, looking mm-hmm. for that in, and would you turn them away? And yeah. so um, just remembering that in some sense, especially in America, we're all immigrants in one yeah. way. But, um, and just there was an incredible amount of privilege for us to be able to come here the way we were mm-hmm. able to legally. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad you shared him. And that's just, I love him. I think it's so cool. Yeah, those stories were really cool. And don't you think it's cool that he's done more in death than he did in his life? Because right when he became a priest, he was forced into hiding. So he did a lot, but he was only a priest for like three years before he was killed. I don't find that mind-blowing because I feel like saints do so much more work You're after right. their death. I mean, St. Therese is all like 24-7 just working up there with roses all the time. So I feel like that's their 
that's what they do. They're, I just I mean, felt like, like yeah. this is such, a, like you said, a superhero level. Because like yeah. obviously the Saints are so cool, and they are superheroes in my head. <laughs> right. But like this is truly like very heroic, very yeah. heroic stuff. Right. Like the invisibility aspect. Like someone make a movie about this guy's life, please. For sure, I'll do it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> make a kids movie so that kids can know about it. Yeah, that would be super he's like fun a too. superhero. Yeah. Anyway. That is because I get my kids are super into Marvel. And so I get lots of like, what superpower would you like? I'm going to throw in Father Romo and be like, look, I don't care about Spider-Man. I'm going to have the Father Romo. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Abilities. <laughs> OK, well, should I jump into yes, mine? Please jump into yours. Because mine is related because mine is also from the Cristero War. Yeah, I think I know who it is. <laughs> I know. I'm sure you know who it is because I probably gave way too much. But mine is St. Jose Luis Sanchez Del Rio. I love him. I love him. <laughs> okay. I don't know so, if he's in my top 10. I need to look at the list. He but. can't because you have already like 12 people in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a young saint and he was canonized in 2016. So yes, somewhat of a recent canonization. Mm -hmm. um, his feast day is February 10th. And um, he, I'm just going to jump in and tell jump his in. story. Um, and since we have background on the Cristero War, I'm not going to go too much into mm -hmm. um, that piece of it. But St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio was born on March 28, 1913, in Mexico, in the southwest state of, you can, can you help me pronounce this word? Michoacan. Khan. Thank you. Michoacan. Khan. And he's the third of four children in his family. And it says Jose loved his faith and grew up with a strong devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Um, Jose was 12 years old when the Cristero War began in Mexico. And this is during the time where the Catholic Church was just suppressed um, to practice their beliefs. And so many people from his state, the central and western states of Mexico, rebelled against the government. Um, and so Jose's brothers joined the rebel forces, but his mom would not let him participate. He, she was like, you're too young, you can't mm -hmm. do it. And uh, it says also um, the rebel general also refused Jose's enlistment because he was too young to join. Mm -hmm. um, but Jose desperately wanted to be a Cristero. Like he was just so on fire and he wanted a chance to stand up for his faith with which that was just like, that's the common theme through all of this with him is just um, wanting to stand up for the Lord. And so he begged his mother to let him join saying, mama, do not let me lose the opportunity to gain heaven so easily. So soon. Dang it. <laughs> What would you say if one of your boys said that to you? I think I'd be like, nice try. <laughs> You're still not going to war. I mean, I cannot imagine what the mother was feeling during that time. You know, like it would be like, I'm so proud of you. And like, also, no, I don't want to lose you. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm just thinking about at 12 years old, um, just seeing like that this war to stand up for your faith is such a quick path to heaven. Um, and this focus on heaven, that's mm. what I keep kind of like hearing uh, through his story is mm -hmm. this focus on heaven. And I wanted to just bring in scripture real quick because yeah. I just feel like his story gives us a little bit of perspective of like why we're living our life. Um, mm. And the Christian life is really like our home is not here. Our home is really in heaven. And that's where we're meant to like be fully reunited with Christ. And so um, I kept coming back to Hebrews th um, chapter 13, verse 14. As for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the one that is to come. Mm, mm -hmm. And that I think is kind of 
one of those guiding principles for um, St. Jose. Do I call him St. Jose to shorten it, or do I need to go, do I say the whole name full out? I actually call him Jose Sanchez Del Rio. You just call him Jose Sanchez Del Rio. Okay. So, but yeah. His last name is pretty long. You can <laughs> say St. Jose. Because Father Romo actually had another last name, but Did I just he? call him Father Romo. Okay, I'm just going to shorten it to St. Jose for the story part. He just always had his eyes on heaven. So, like, everything in this life was, like, a means to get to heaven. And so instead of all of the temporal satisfactions of, like, the earthly life, he's just like, what is the shortest and quickest way, and can I do that? Right? Mm. Like, no matter how painful that was, and his story is super painful. Yes. Um, and so he says this to his mom, and... The general finally allows Jose to become a flag bearer for the troop. Mm-hmm. And Jose was nicknamed um, Tarsisus by the Cristeros after the early Christian saint martyred for protecting the Eucharist. Mm. Um, so he had a love for the Eucharist. And so was 14, General Mendoza's horse was killed by during heavy fighting. And so Jose, uh, and General M- Mendoza is like the rebel general at mm-hmm. the time. So Jose gave up his horse for the general so that the fight could continue. Um, Jose sought cover and firing at the enemy troops until he ran out of ammunition. Um, Jose was ultimately captured by the government troops and imprisoned in the sacristy of the local church, Mm. which is just, um, there's something about that that's just really cool too. And so it says during his captivity, Jose was ordered to renounce his faith in Christ and even under the death, uh, under the threat of death, Jose refused which is not surprising considering just his Mm -hmm. level of loyalty. And so he was forced, during this captivity, he was forced to watch the hanging of another Cristero. Mm -hmm. And instead of that, like, just breaking his spirit, Jose encouraged man. He's only 14 at this time. Mm -hmm. He's encouraging this man that's getting, um, that's getting, like, experiencing this hanging and saying, Mm -hmm. telling him that they would meet again soon in heaven. And Mm -hmm. so he just had this eternal hope, even in the midst of sorrow, that, like, there was another life that was coming. Um, and it's said that during his ca- time in captivity, Jose prayed the rosary daily and wrote a letter to his mother, um, which I just love that. Like, you know, he still had that love for his mom. And so he told her he was ready to fulfill the will of God. Very heroic. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so much bravery here. And even his Jose's dad, in an attempt to save him, tried to, like, raise funds for a, a ransom, but wasn't able to do so in mm-hmm. time. Um, but just, he, he just, Jose just remained totally unwavering in his faith. And on February 10th, 1928, so a couple of months before or a month before his 15th birthday, after realizing um, that the that they wouldn't be able to break Jose's faith, the government troops cut the bottom of his feet mm-hmm. and forced him to walk around the town toward the cemetery. Just mm-hmm. such a brutal um, torture. And so during his walk, Jose recited the rosary prayed for his enemies, and sang songs to Our Lady of Guadalupe despite being cut with a machete several times. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, I just cannot imagine in the midst of physical pain, he's reciting the rosary. I have a hard time reciting the rosary when I'm just, like, in total comfort in my prayer chair. Like, he is, like, in the midst of all of that, and he's praying the rosary, praying for the people who have hurt him. And singing songs, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is a joy that comes like that's not from this world. Mm -hmm. And so he cried out in pain, but didn't give in. And they told him, if you shout death to Christ, the king, they would spare his life. Instead, Jose would shout, I will never give in. Viva Cristo Rey Santa Maria de Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. So that was just um, that was so life giving for him that he was just like, I will never say 
those words. Mm-hmm. And um, instead, I will say, like, long live Christ, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so at the age of 14, um, St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio died as a martyr on February 10th, 1928. And he was beatified by Pope Benedict uh, in 2005 and officially canonized in 2016. Yeah. Um, saint Jose is also the patron saint of persecuted Christians, children, um, adolescents, and his hometown. And, and like I said, his feast day is on February 10th. Um, but if you ever see a picture of him, he's usually depicted holding a rosary um, for his devotion to the Virgin Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. He, you'll see that like his feet are cut up and like there's some, usually like a trail of blood for like mm-hmm. the walking that he did. And that he's also in one of his hands, he's holding a palm branch and that symbolizes like his victory of his martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also in in the picture that I saw, he was wearing a sash um, and it had a quote on it that said, Never was it so easy to become a saint, which is the words he spoke to his mother to convince her to let him join the Cristero War. So like, dang it. <laughs> so it's like he's bloody and like beaten up and he's like, see how easy it is to become a saint. You know, like just that his vision is so different from mm-hmm. like our earthly like vision of comfort and security. Yeah. And he's like, look, this is all just a pathway. Like all of this, like, um, mortification is just a pathway to a better life yeah this and is not who, it who has that at 14 or 12 know. you know like that's just uh, such again, a again I want to talk to his mom <laughs> I want to ask her what she did um just what a gift um that he he had that devotion and that he could share that with us and so I just loved learning about him because first off I love young saints like mm-hmm. they I find them to be like super inspirational because they have the childlike faith that we're all taught to like go back to and they have that devotion and just, there's just a a certain like joyful wisdom that just comes from their spirituality that Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oh, just give me a little piece of that, you know? And so, um, St. Jose is just, I love him. I really think he's just, um, so inspirational, so heroic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm really glad I got to like just delve into that. And he is a continuous reminder that we are not living for this world. Mm-hmm. So like whenever I'm, I'm going to talk to him, like whenever I get caught up in the details of my life and like, oh, this like, you know, little small thing is bothering me and be like, okay, just remind me that I'm not living for this life. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so just... What a beautiful saint. St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio. I love him. Pray for us. He's great. Have you seen Have you seen For Greater Glory? Have I haven't. That came up a lot in his research. And He's I was one like, of the main characters. Okay. It. Yeah. Where can I watch that? I don't know. My mom probably has a Blu-ray. Okay. You have to have a way to watch a Blu-ray, which I don't know anymore. <laughs> There's got to be a way to stream it. Yeah. So For Greater Glory is a movie about this time period. So it the mostly general. follows the general, which I for, forgot what you said his name was. Oh, um... Mendoza? Mendoza. Yeah, yeah it's Prudencio mostly about Mendoza. him. Okay. And we, then, is Father Miguel Pro in there? No, mm. which I'm like, missed opportunity, yeah. people. He needs his own movie. He really does. But there's, so when JP2 canonized Father Romo, it was with 24 other people from this era. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Gail, or Jose Sanchez Rio wasn't even part of that. And mm. Father Miguel Pro wasn't part of it either. So there's like still more people coming yeah. from yeah. that time. And I think, I think they mentioned this in the movie. But a, another boy, maybe younger, mm-hmm. no, older than Jose, was also killed at the same time yeah. by hanging. 
And he came back to life. Wait, what? Yeah. They called him Lazarus after that. Wow. Yeah. So, like, there's a ton of stuff with this time period. Yeah. I'm sure with defending the faith. Yeah. Devoutly. There's going to be a lot of saints. Metaphysically, subconsciously, why I'm obsessed with this time period is because my grandma remembers as a young girl walking with her grandma really, really far into the desert with a priest to say mass. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when my mom asked her about this time period, she was like, I, she was so little, she didn't remember, but yeah. she's like, I do remember we used to walk like into the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's She said sad. her memory was of like holding on to her grandma's skirts. Aww. And she was like, I don't even really know what we were doing, but I think that must have been it. So I think that's why I'm yeah. like connected to it. Yeah. And just my grandma would have been in going that, to mass in secret. Or I right. guess great. She was my grandma's grandma. Right. So like a couple of times removed great grandma right. would have been there. And doesn't that just like give you perspective on just like the privilege it is to be yeah. able to just practice your own religion yeah. like freely and yes. just um, one of the blessings of even just being in this country. Mm-hmm. That, yes. That is just something we take for granted that we can just go to mass every day whenever we want. Every day, yeah. Worship in public. Mm-hmm. For sure. Love this time period. So yeah. if you want to learn more. The movie for greater glory is really good. Yeah. Okay. I recommend I it. Watch I'll it. try to track it down for you. Okay. It's Let's good. put it in our show notes if we have yeah. do we have show notes. I don't even know, but um, it just sounds cool. I don't know. <laughs> I think we do. I don't put a lot in there. <laughs> but I'll try to find I it. just wanted to say it. That's I don't know. We have that. Yeah, no, we do. <laughs> we do. We'll do it. Sweet. Yeah. Should, <laughs> Should we do it? Blessing, yeah, and blessing and burden? Do you want me to go first again? Yeah, will you want okay. me first? Because I had to think about mine a lot. Okay. Because I think I just wanted to chat with you. So I was like thinking of all the things I could tell you. And I was like, wait, I need to dial it in. (laughs) So I'm going to start with my burden because it is a heavier one. But then I want to do two blessings to balance out the heavy. I like it. And so I'll follow that. So um, I'm actually surprised by how this has reached national news. But my niece's teacher was actually abducted and murdered. Oh, my goodness. Um, Eliza Fletcher was her name. So I've spoken about Memphis before on the show, how Memphis is like uh, home away from home for me. And so Liza was actually out running and she was abducted and murdered. And oh, I'm um, so sorry. Yeah, usually you, it's not, I guess, sadly uncommon to hear about this stuff, but you are kind of removed from it. But she was actually my niece's teacher, pre K and kindergarten. So she oh, had her for a few years. So yeah. just like before it was even like national news, we were just really supporting my sister and her family. Yeah. yeah so that's been really tough, especially since they just, um, how scary. Yeah, because before we were, my sister texted us like almost right away and was like, Bailey's teacher was abducted. Um, please, So we were, for a while we were praying for her to just be found safely. Yeah. But I think it broke national news whenever they found out that, like when they found her body that she had been killed. So mm-hmm. it's been super crazy to just like see her name randomly. Like, right. And, and it's hit like so a, close like to scrolling. home. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's hit so close to home. So and it's just super sad because my niece... She's in first grade. So I was she's wondering like, how she's doing. Yeah. She's, she, does she understand? Like, I don't know if she does a lot. Yeah. But she's definitely never experienced anything this traumatic. Yeah. Ever. So it's just been really heavy. And I think a lot, everyone in my family is just kind of on edge. Because, you know, like you hear about stuff like this happening. And yeah. I never met Liza, but like someone my sister know, knew really well this like happened right. to. So we've kind of all just been on edge a little bit. Yeah. Sorry to hear a burden that. on us and for a, a while. pre-K and kindergarten teacher, those are just I know. such special souls. And that- she was. She was such a special soul. Oh. 
and she was a mother and a wife. So that's just been really hard to like um, support family through that. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And like I said, also weird that I'm, I see it randomly. Like when I'm not expecting like scrolling, I'll see mm-hmm. some. You just know. like a news story. Yeah. Cause it oh. broke national news. And yeah. I think there's also a lot of discourse that she was, you know, she was a busy wife and mom. So she was running really early in the morning when she had no other time to run. So I oh. think there's just a lot of discourse about that questioning like why yeah life has to be like that yeah Yeah. so that's been really hard just for a while like supporting someone who's grieving from afar so that's really just been like a definition of a burden like didn't really happen to us but just kind of weighing on us yeah carrying helping to carry the cross for another yeah loved one but I wanted to mention it I wanted to ask people to pray for her family definitely and for all her and her name is Eliza yeah Eliza Fletcher, for everyone who knew her. So I wanted to go ahead and mention it because I know people will hear it and pray. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah, so my two, my two, this will really put things in perspective. So I almost chopped off my finger. What? My thumb. Because I was cutting tomatoes and Ben distracted me. And I hit my thumb so hard with the knife Mm. that like afterwards it felt like I had smushed it in a door. Okay. Is this your blessing? (laughs) Yes, because I had dip powder on my nails. And if you look closely, it's chipped where like the knife hit, but because I had dip powder on my nails. Dip powder mean like acrylic nails or like? No, acrylics. Well, acrylics coming back. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. Dip powder. It's, it's not gel, but it's like like really hard. Like, okay. It like it's kind of honestly nails. like super glue on your nails that they okay. harden. Okay, okay. So it's gotcha. really hard. And I know for, because like my thumb. And that was like a shield? Yes. Like there's a chip in it. Thank you, dip powder. Yes. So that's why I was like, I will always have dip powder on my nails for forever <laughs> after that. Because it saved, I'm, I mean like my finger felt like I had smashed it. Like in a drawer or something. I know I would have chopped off my finger. <laughs> I would have. So that's my blessing. That okay, I'm so glad you I, have your finger. My nails were done. Yeah. And I don't normally have them done, but I did, and my finger was saved. Thank you. I'm glad for that. So that it's a, a safety thing now. So I told Luis I'm always going to spend the money to get it done now. You're like, I have to get my nails safety. done. Yeah, because it's I need to safety. keep all my fingers. Yeah. So I was super just. I can go with that log- logic. Yeah. And then also, Shia LaBeouf, have you heard of him? <laughs> yes he's my other blessing Padre Pio yes because <laughs> Shia LaBeouf is like from my childhood <laughs> like when he was a child actor was exactly when I was super into all of his shows <laughs> and for people who aren't familiar he was a child actor has very publicly had a very bad uh, struggles with addiction yeah and he's had a rough go rough go more recently, especially. Yeah, but I have always said, I've always said this, no one even talks about how Robert Downey Jr. was in jail in the 90s, and now he's Iron Man. <laughs> so I think Shia's going to have Robert a comeback. Robert Downey Jr. had a pretty uh, dark right? Era. Yeah, for no sure. No one even talks about that. He's Iron Man now. So I always said Shia LaBeouf's <laughs> going to have a comeback, and I would always, like, for whatever reason, and you think this he is was on my heart. Padre Pio movie? Okay. Did have you watch you heard, The Bishop Baron? Yeah, have you heard it? I watched a good part. No, I think I watched the full thing. I watched a majority of the Bishop Barron I video. I loved listening to that interview. <sighs> you didn't? You didn't? No, I tell did. me. I did. I did, I did, and I didn't. Do you feel like it's performative? Because no, that's I didn't the pushback. That. A lot of people say that Mm-mm. he's done this before. He's just trying to get back into the public's graces. Oh, I didn't get that vibe. Yeah. I just, um, 
it was a lot. Of, well, you tell me yours first. Before I, I just shoot it love, down. <laughs> for me, the blessing has just been hearing such. The conversion. Just hearing the conversion yeah. story. And I do believe it's authentic because how could I you live too. with Capuchins yeah. for nine months and not be. And just be not completely in love with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm also, he, then he's done a podcast with John Bernthal, who was like, okay. he was on The Walking Dead okay. and they did a movie together. Okay. He's an actor who has a podcast. Oh, gotcha. And that's been like, so I'm not even done with that because that was a two hour sit down. Oh, wow. And he gets really just into graphically just like, here are all the terrible things I did. Yeah. And he like John Bernthal is not a Christian. So he was like, I'm going to try to not talk about the God part, but yeah, it, good luck it with came that. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, he basically just said the thing that has changed my life is knowing that I am loved and forgiven in a way that I've never been loved and forgiven before. Okay. So I have just loved. Did he talk about that in the Bishop Baron? No, he got a lot more candid in the John Bernthal okay. one. Because they're also. I might need to listen to that. They're one. also really good friends too. Yeah. So he was just a lot more candid about the allegations against him. Yeah, I'm sure. And speaking to Bishop Barron, who's just like such an intellectual, I mm-hmm. think can maybe be just like a little intimidating yeah. itself. What I gathered from the interview was that he was deeply moved by the mass and by um, the the effect it had on his senses mm-hmm. and the emotional, the feeling mm-hmm. piece of the mass, um, which is all wonderful gifts of the mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't hearing relationship with Jesus mm. and like where that was like hitting him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you're saying the being loved and forgiven, yeah, um, that like helps to kind of bridge that because I was like, is this just all a sensory Thing, mm. that you're just loving the mass and the incense and the mm-hmm. ritual and the latin rite because he's just especially said he loved the latin rite because yeah. of um, no he i can see that because he did say feel. that he didn't even know what the words meant he yeah. just it was all feeling which definitely like I, I can see appeal to a certain type of like actor that's just he said he it felt performative in a way that appealed to him as a performer yeah like yeah. you know like because he has to go by feeling in order mm-hmm. to perform um, and there are some performative pieces. Of, mm-hmm. I mean, like just naturally, we we recite things and we yeah. do that. So it's not necessarily meaning a negative connotation. No, but, he didn't mean. He yeah. felt like it was like, yeah, like a beautiful display. No, I yeah. could see that. He did really talk about a lot of like the the relationship. The sensory. No, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I like where we're going, but there's this other big aspect that like I want to see happen for him. Yeah. And so maybe no. this. Is I the think he talked that. about it more. And he, like, just really beautiful things where, like, he said, like, you know, like, his baby, they had a, a scare with his baby, oh, okay. uh, like, a, a health scare. And he yeah. was, like, I can now, like, be, a, like, they talked about, like, manliness. And mm-hmm. he was, like, as a man, I can go with my wife and, like, tell her, like, God's going to take care of us. We're going to be okay mm-hmm. while she's freaking out. And she was, like, like, he was talking about. Yes, he did mention that piece about the masculinity of yeah. what to rely on. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I've just loved seeing, like, such a nitty-gritty conversion. Mm-hmm. Like a real raw. Yes, because, like, life. obviously I loved stories. That's yeah. why we do this, because I want to tell these stories. So yeah. I loved hearing his story. Yeah. I want to keep seeing it unfold. Yes. Yeah. I do also, like, there's been a lot of criticism. Like, should we have given a platform to someone with these allegations against them? But also, like, I think the main one. We're all sinners. Exactly. I think because they were violence against women, people, certain oh, people gotcha. felt a little triggered yeah. hearing yeah. it talked about, yeah. which he really owns to his credit. And he said, like, I want to own it publicly because I don't think enough men do. Just a lot. Just loved 
hearing and seeing this, and especially since I always said, like, that was always my thing. Like, I think he's going to, I'm rooting for him to come through it. I don't know. She's like, yeah. always in my heart, Shia LaBeouf's going to come through all this mess he's been in, and he's going to show everyone. Right. Um, so I've I loved, love a good comeback story. And yes. I, I'm not um, like, oh, this is all fake by any means. I just, I think maybe this is like the beginning. I feel like a lot of people have been like, oh, he's like completely converted. And yeah. I'm like, I think we're on the tipping point here, but like, mm-hmm. let's keep rooting for him. No, I'm rooting for him yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I've just loved, I've loved that. I like It's that. been like a big topic cool. of conversation yeah. in our house lately. Cool to watch. Yeah. Cool yeah. to watch. Oh, what I want to say is what the main criticism I've heard and agree with is that he is a baby Christian uh-huh. instead of being Catholics. Like, I feel like Catholics want to be like, look, we have a celebrity on our side. <laughs> People have been saying like, give him space and time to be a baby Christian. Yeah. Like Instead let of, him, don't make him like a public authority yeah. on anything. Like well, just no. let him have his conversion. But I think some people want to be like a celebrity on our team, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm so the, like kind of what people do with Mel Gibson, like Mel Gibson's Catholic. Right. I don't know. I, I think the real highlight should be that they're like having this conversion, that they're a baby Christian instead of a celebrity. But yes. Anyway. My two cents. That was a long but I've been, I mean, I was, tr- I've been finishing the, the other podcast, the John Bernthal one in spur- yeah. spurts because it's like two hours. So I was listening right. to it today and I was like, I want people to hear this. Just like what God can do in someone's life. Yes. And then pray that it falls on good soil and everything. Right. Okay. I like that. Sorry. That was so long. You no, go. That's you okay. Go. Mine, are, mine are pretty short actually. Um, okay. I'm going to do just a general burden. I have trouble unpacking from trips mm-hmm. i will live out of my suitcase for as long as i possibly can i will leave it there then i will have laundry i mean it's just and i'm like whenever i walk into my closet i'm like is this like a depiction of my spiritual life just like this hidden closet with all this mess in here mm-hmm. so i'm like i need to clean this up because this is like i don't want this to be like what that's like so unpacking is my burden i don't mind packing because I can, like, put it all together. But it's the unpacking that I'm real slow on. Mm-hmm. So I just came back from retreat. Obviously, my suitcase is still there with just, like, some stuff in it that I, I'm like, how much do I need that thing in my suitcase? And so, um, my blessing is, okay, you know how we talk about that saints find you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have had a thing with, uh, <laughs> okay. Not that I dislike any saints, but some saints kind of, like, rub me a little differently than, yeah. like, you know, whatever. And this is They're not, not on your team. <laughs> well, this one is, like, feels like he's, like, I'm going to be on your team. Um, but he's a venerable. Mm. And I feel like can be a little bit polarizing, but Fulton Sheen. Oh, uh, yeah. I I'm, like Fulton Sheen. You like Fulton Sheen? Okay. Yeah. I kind of was, like, he's, like, no, kind of felt like he's kind of a downer sometimes. Yeah, you know? like I see He that. just, like. Um, his wording just sometimes I'm like, oh, that's not the like. It was for another good. era for sure. I think, yeah, and another part of the country, even, yeah. Probably. But this saint has been, or this venerable, I feel like has been, for lack of a better word, stalking me. Mm, um, and interesting. A friend of mine actually was like, is a big t- fan of this. Mm-hmm. Um, a full machine, and so it was like, I'm going to convert you. Um, and ever since he said that, I've been seeing. Fulton Sheen quotes all over my Instagram, and I'm like, what's happening? Um, but I will say that Fulton Sheen is starting to wear on me. And yeah. I'm starting to see the light a little bit. And because today's the Nativity of Mary, I wanted to just, as my blessing, 
um, bring out my favorite Fulton Sheen quote because okay. it was like the only one prior to his like coming to find me, the mm-hmm. only one that I was like, oh, I'm so on board with this one. Yeah. But he's talking about the Blessed Mother and, he's, and it says, the moon does not take away from the brilliance of the sun. Mm-hmm. All of its light is reflected mm-hmm. from the sun. The Blessed Mother reflects her divine son. Without him, she is nothing. With him, she is the mother of men. Ooh. Boom. That's a good one. I was one. like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, he just understands her, to, like, what role she plays in her relationship yeah. with Christ and how she's just a reflection of him. Interesting. And with the sun and the moon, and, you know, the moon is depicted with the Blessed Mother a lot, too. Yeah. So, just beautiful. So interested to see how your friendship unfolds. I know. So <laughs> I'm excited that like I'm always like looking for saints, but like when a saint finds me, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is exciting. Like, um, what do you have to teach me? So yeah, that's love that. Yeah. Well, Fulton Sheen is going to be praying for you, <laughs> and hopefully he becomes a saint. Yeah. <laughs> how should we end? <laughs> we should just ask for intercessions from these beautiful saints that we learned about. Okay, close this out. I feel like you have vision for the ending that I do not have. I don't have any vision for the ending, but for sure I'll close this out. Okay, I'm just going to ask for the intercession of St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio and... Father Romo. St. Father Romo. Pray for us. Pray for us. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Snacking with the Saints. Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you.